Welcome to episode 123 of the Fredcast Cycling Podcast for May the 4th, 2009. My name is David, and I'm a Fred. This week's episode of the Fredcast includes bicycle helmet laws could potentially cost billions of dollars. Florida's roads ranked as the most dangerous for cyclists, Anchorage closing a trail where a bear attacked a cyclist, and lots and lots of professional bike racing news. Following the news, another Training with Ken segment, a product review of Grease Monkey Wipes, and a special opportunity from the Tour of Utah and Low to Jab. So sit back, relax, and if you're riding your bike hammer just a little bit harder, because here comes the Fredcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Fredcast. This one, a full episode. It's great to have you here with me. Now, before we get to the news and all of our features, do want to thank our sponsor for this week's show, Cyclo Club. And here's Graham Street from the Cyclo Club with a special offer just for Fredcast listeners. Hey Fredcast listeners and fellow everyday cyclists, this is Graham Street, owner for CycloClub.com. I have a couple quick questions for you today. Do you struggle in the hills? Do you struggle maybe to get more aerodynamic, to get faster? Get comfortable in the drops? Do you struggle maybe on your longer group rides or on your important centuries that you're training so hard for because you don't have good core strength and low back durability? Trust me, my friend, you are not alone. This is one of the most common problems we deal with for everyday cyclists at cycleclub.com every day. That's why we have over 80-plus available technique, strength, and weak link workouts that you can use anytime you want to overcome these obstacles. So when you get back on the bike, you can reap the rewards. Weed Cycle Club believe that just doing more miles doesn't only not fix the problem, typically it persists the problem. We need to get you off the bike, focus you on your weak links, get you back on the bike, and have you riding stronger. I'm going to help you out today. I'm going to give you one of our best workouts, Cyclo Back in 5. It's a simple 5-minute core and low back durability module. I'm going to give it to you. Go to thefredcast.com right now. It's only for a limited time. Download this workout. Put it to your iPod. My challenge to you is this. Use the workout just once or twice. Even if you don't have a low back problem, you're going to ride stronger. You're going to say, how come I wasn't doing this before? It's so simple. Just one of the 80-plus workouts we have available for you at Cycle Club. Free gift right now. Go to thefredcast.com. Download it. Fix your back. Ride stronger. Thanks, Graham, and thanks for the special offer. If you want to take advantage of this special offer from Graham Street and Cycle Club, just go to the website at www.thefredcast.com, and you'll find a sign-up link on the right-hand column of the homepage. Topping the news this week is a story that you may have heard of elsewhere, but one which I want to shed a little bit of light on. And this one is about a study that was recently published in the Social Science Research Network's journal, at least their online journal. And I've got a link in the show notes as well as a link in the enhanced podcast. This study was done by a mathematician, and that's important. Remember the word mathematician. A mathematician at Macquarie University in Sydney, Australia. The gentleman's name is Pete de Jong. In this study, this mathematician estimates the bicycle helmet laws, those that require bicycle helmet use, could cost the United States 4.8 billion US dollars per year, the Netherlands 1.9 billion US dollars per year, and the UK almost a half a billion US dollars per year. 
this story has gotten some wide reporting on a variety of websites and news organizations around the world. My problem with it, however, is that, again, it's a mathematical study. The way that Mr. de Jong did his research was by plugging in a variety of factors into a mathematical model that he created and then coming out with this dollar figure. So what exactly was it that he plugged into his model? Well, he looked at a number of different studies. For instance, a 1989 study published in the New England Journal of Medicine that said that bicycle helmets reduce the risk of head injury by 85%. However, in the journal BMJ, Dorothy Robinson, who's also a statistician at the Department of Primary Industries in Armandale, Australia, said that helmet laws caused bike ridership decreases of between 40 and 20%. Also plugged into the model, the mathematical model that is, were a variety of different factors including the health benefits of cycling and what the health decreases might be if people don't cycle as well as the cost of head injuries for those who crash on their bikes and they're not wearing helmets. To me, it seems like this study is fundamentally flawed. Take, for example, the research that I mentioned about the decrease in bicycle use when mandatory helmet laws are passed. An epidemiologist at Montreal's Children's Hospital in Canada, Barry Pless, said what hasn't been shown to his satisfaction in that study is how long this decline persisted. Plus, another thing that was taken into account in the mathematical model were the health benefits associated with cycling, specifically the cardiac benefits or the benefits to your heart. The problem is so many of the people who engage in cycling who might not, in the case of mandatory helmet laws, simply aren't getting the claimed benefit that's been plugged into the mathematical model. For instance, most riders only travel short distances and they do so rather slowly. There was a study of 9,000 British government employees which found that people between the ages of 45 and 64 needed to ride at least 40K per week to see any reduction in heart disease rates. Furthermore, in order to come up with this figure of $4.8 billion for the United States, de Jong assumed the health benefit of cycling was worthy of a generous $1 per kilometer. Critics have said that that may be too much and way too generous for this mathematical model. However, according to Young, as long as the benefit of cycling is not zero, there will be a net cost incurred due to helmet laws. Personally, as you all know, I am a huge proponent of bicycle helmets. They have saved, well, ski helmets too, because both have saved me numerous times. I think about my friend Tim Jackson from Mozzie Bicycles and the fact that a helmet quite clearly saved his life in his crash last year while he was track racing. The bottom line here is I don't believe this study. I think that using a mathematical model to come up with something like this, especially when it includes as many assumptions as it does, I just think it's faulty science, if you can call it that. So the next time you hear a study like this, make sure you take it with a grain of salt. Look into the details extremely carefully. Unfortunately, I think a lot of the media outlets around the world haven't exactly done that this week. And as a result, mandatory helmet laws and bicycle helmet use in general have probably been dealt a serious blow. Now, unfortunately, here's a study that you can believe in and something that is extremely tragic. According to United States federal traffic safety officials, Florida is now the nation's deadliest state for riding a bicycle. That's even more deadly 
than the roads of California. This study was put on by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, and for the data that it used, which goes to 2007, it said that 119 cyclists died on Florida highways in that year, and that was more than California's 109 and New York's 51. Now, this isn't the first time that Florida is ranked at the top of the study. They were second in 2006 after California, but the year before, they had the top spot once again with 124 fatalities. Andy Clark, the president of the League of American Bicyclists, says that, quote, because it's a warm weather southern state, chances are good that more people are riding year-round. However, cycling advocates say that there are other factors that add to the problem, including, yes, of course, an abundance of cars on the road and a general lack of bike lanes and paths next to highways. According to Florida Department of Transportation spokeswoman Marion Scorza, quote, they're always considered when we're designing a roadway. Sometimes it comes down to an issue of right away. Personally, I think sometimes it comes down to an issue of money, and we all know that that's probably true. Alan Snell, a cycling enthusiast and director of a coalition of eight retail bike stores in Florida, said, quote, there needs to be more education, both for the cyclist and the driving community. We have a car culture, and we need to create a culture where it's understood that bicyclists and drivers share the road. To that, I say amen. Last summer, I told you about a tragic incident that occurred during a 24-hour mountain bike race in Anchorage, Alaska, where a woman cycling in the 24-hour event in the evening portion of the event was attacked and mauled by a bear while she was on her bike. The trail is called Rover's Run, and it's in the far north Bicentennial Park, and the Anchorage Department of Parks and Recreation has decided to close Rover's Run this summer in order to try to avoid a recurrence of this event. The 24-hour mountain bike race was put on by the Arctic Bicycle Club, and they said that they're going to look for a new venue for their 24-hour bike race for this season. Right now, the trail is closed to cyclists, but the Folks at the Parks and Recreation Department have said that they're going to plan to close that portion of trail, Rover's Run, to all users, including walkers, hikers, and runners, so that they, too, will be safe from bear attack. Joshua Ream is a local who hikes the trail near Rover's Run. He says he's definitely more aware of bears than he used to be in the past, and he's quoted in the paper as saying, quote, It's important just to be bear savvy and to know what you're doing. I think a lot of people get bearophobic. I like that. And that keeps them from venturing into areas that they normally would like to. Brad Dunker, an engineering technician with Parks and Recreation, said, quote, The biggest thing the municipality can do is really do that outreach and education component and make people aware and encourage people to be safe. Once again, the problem here is simply the encroachment of civilization onto wildlife habitat. Really, the problem in this situation is the fact that these parks obviously bring people. People bring garbage. Garbage goes into trash cans, and trash cans attract bears. Parks and Recreation has installed bear-proof containers in these parks. Nevertheless, they feel that they are being prudent by closing the trail. And while some libertarians and personal freedom advocates would say that, well, you should leave it open and leave it up to people as to whether or not they can keep themselves safe in this kind of a situation, let's be honest, folks, it's a little tough to keep yourself safe when there's a huge bear coming at you and you're on your bike. You know, it's been a while since... We've talked about pro cycling news here on the Fredcast, so bear with me. We've got a lot of races to go through. I'm going to go through them kind of quick. Some of them are a bit old. The first 
is the Amstel Gold Race. This is a one-day classic that's held in the Netherlands every year and is extremely popular in Europe when it comes to racing. This year's Amstel Gold 257-kilometer-long race was won by Sergei Ivanov from the Katusha team in 6 hours, 38 minutes, and 31 seconds. Second place going to Karsten Kroon with the same time. He's from the Netherlands and Team Saxobank. Third place, Robert Gessing from the Netherlands and Team Robobank. He was 8 seconds behind Ivanov. Fourth, going to Philippe Gilbert from Belgium in the Silence Lotto team. And fifth place, Damiano Cunego from Italy and Team Lamprey. The next race I want to talk about is La Flèche Wallonne, or the Walloon Arrow. This is taking place in Huy, Belgium on April the 22nd. This one won by Italian Davide Rebellin for the third time. Rebellin from the Ceramenti PVC Dicqui Giovanni team. He won it in 4 hours, 42 minutes, and 15 seconds, and that's a 195.5 kilometer race. Now, Rebellin also, shortly after this race, learned some news that we're going to talk about a little bit later. So this may have been Rebellin's swan song in professional cycling. There's a little tease for sticking with the show. Second place going to Andy Schleck from Team Saxobank. He was just two seconds back of Rebellin. Schleck, you'll remember, was the very strong performer in last year's Tour de France, acting as just a most amazing domestique for Team CSC Saxobank in last year's Tour de France, looking for amazing things from Schleck in the years to come. Third place, Damiano Cunego from Team Lamprey. Fourth, Samuel Sanchez from Uskaltel Uskadi. And fifth place, Australia's Cadell Evans from Team Silence Lotto. And just two days later, remember I told you we're expecting good things from Andy Schleck and Team CSC? Andy Schleck, two days later, takes Liège Bastogne Liège, also known as the Doyen, taking it in six hours, 34 minutes, and 33 seconds to go from Liège to Bastogne de Liège in 261 kilometers. Second place going to Joaquim Rodriguez from Castaparna, one minute, 17 seconds back of Schleck. Third, Davide Rebellin from Italy, 1 minute 23 seconds back of Andy. Fourth place, Philippe Gilbert from Belgium and Team Silence Lotto at the same time as Rebellin. And fifth place to Sergei Ivanov from Team Katusha, also at the same time as Davide Rebellin. Obviously, you can tell based on those times that Schleck won that going away after a long solo breakaway and then holding off some chasers at the very end of the race. After 162 miles to come out 1 minute 17 seconds up, you know that Schleck had a great day. He was quoted as saying, quote, I attacked and continued pushing. However, he then goes on to say, I would never have won without my teammates. That's a good thing to say, considering he has been able to help several of his teammates win races before. He knows how important a good team can be. Congratulations to Andy Schleck and Team CSC, pardon me, Team Saxobank. With the spring classics behind us, there are fewer and fewer single-day events left in the pro cycling season. It's time for multi-day stage races, such as the Giro d'Italia, which begins this coming weekend. But before that, the Tour of Romandie in Switzerland, which is a six-day race around Switzerland. This year, won by Roman Kreuziger from Team Likigas. Kreuziger was quoted as saying, I will now defend my title in the Tour of Switzerland and then lead the Likigas team on the Tour de France with Vincenzo Nibali. Given my qualities, my ambition is obviously to make it on the Tour de France podium one day, but it's a little early to say whether I have the caliber of riders like Miguel Indurain 
or Lance Armstrong. I think that's a nice little bit of humility from a professional cyclist. Meanwhile, Oscar Ferreira won two stages in this year's Tour of Romandie, including the final stage. He was quoted as saying, my main goals this season are to win the points jersey in the Tour de France, but above all, to become the first rider to win four world championships in October. At the end, the final general classification found Roman Kreuziger from Team Likigas at the top of the podium after 14 hours, 20 minutes, and 14 seconds. Second place going to Vladimir Karpets from Team Katusha, 18 seconds back of Kreuziger. Third place to Rain Taamare from Kofidis. Fourth to Alejandro Valverde from Cas de Parnia. And fifth place to Rigoberto Uran from Cas de Parnia. Meanwhile, while all this racing was going on in Europe, a little-known continental race here in the United States was going on from April 29th to May the 3rd in Silver City, New Mexico, known as the 23rd Annual SRAM Tour of the Gila. Now, normally, this isn't the kind of race that I'd talk about here on the Fredcast, but this wasn't a normal year for the Tour of the Gila. You see, because while Lance Armstrong was nursing and mending his broken collarbone, he decided he'd give his collarbone a try and see how he might fare in the Tour of the Gila. So he and his teammates, Levi Leipheimer and Chris Horner, decided that they wanted to race in this year's Tour of the Gila. The problem? Due to some obscure UCI Pro rules, they were not allowed to race under the Team Astana name. Therefore, Lance never won to take no for an answer, kitted up both of his teammates and himself in jerseys from his bike shop in Austin, Texas, Mellow Johnny's, and they rode the Tour of the Gila under Team Mellow Johnny's colors. The decision by Armstrong, Leipheimer, and Horner to race in the Tour of Gila had both bad and good consequences. On the good side, no doubt that this brought a lot more interest and a lot more fans to this year's SRAM Tour of the Gila. On the negative side, there were some critics who complained that with riders of this caliber in the race, there was no way for up-and-coming pros to be able to compete in this race. For their part, Leipheimer, Armstrong, and Horner were quoted in a variety of publications saying, look, we're pros, they're pros, it's a pro event, we have every right to race it. And sure enough, at the end of the event, who was atop the podium at the SRAM Tour of the Gila? None other than Team Mellow Johnny's own Levi Leipheimer in 13 hours, 26 minutes, and 56 seconds. Second place, Team Mellow Johnny's Lance Armstrong, a little-known up-and-coming pro from Austin, Texas, in 13 hours, 29 minutes, and 57 seconds. In third place, it was Phil Zajacek from Fly V Australia in 13 hours, 30 minutes, and 14 seconds. And where, you may ask, was Chris Horner from Team Mellow Johnny's? He came in in eighth place in 13 hours, 34 minutes, and 9 seconds. Rounding out the top 10 in fourth place, Burke Swindlehurst from Bissell Pro Cycling, 13 hours, 30 minutes, and 59 seconds. In fifth, it was Chad Beyer from Team B. In sixth, Chris Baldwin from Boulder, Colorado. In seventh, Tom Zerbel from Bissell. Once again, in eighth, Chris Horner. In ninth, Florian Stalder from Team B. And in tenth place, Peter Stetna from the Felt Holoesco Partners Garmin team. Well, with all this professional racing behind us, it's time once again to look at our 
pro standings so far. For individuals sitting in first place, it's Heinrich Hausler from Cervelo Test with 197 points. In second place, and this one's probably going to change, Davide Rebellin from Ceramenti PVC Dicqui Giovanni Androni Giacotoli team, 194 points. I guarantee I messed that one up. In third place, Alberto Contador from Team Astana with 188 points. In fourth, Alan Davis from Team Quickstep with 183. And in fifth place, Philippe Gilbert from Team Ceylon Lotto with 171 points. As far as the teams are concerned, sitting in first place, Team Quickstep with 517 points. Team Katusha is in second with 494. Castaparnia is in third with 459 points. Team Saxobank is in fourth with 447. And in fifth place, the Cervelo Test team with 433 points. As far as the nation, Spain is sitting in first place with 711 points. Italy in second with 667. In third place, Australia with 520. Belgium's in fourth with 487 points. And rounding out the top five, it's Germany with 389 points. As I mentioned earlier, it's time for multi-day stage races, and that means it's time for the Giro d'Italia. Now, we talk a lot about the Tour de France here on the Fredcast because, quite honestly, it's probably one of the most well-known, if not the most well-known, cycling race in the entire world, and so much attention is poured on it. But for a lot of folks, they believe that the finest and most exciting cycling event in the year is perhaps the Giro d'Italia. The Giro d'Italia takes place from May 9th through the 31st this year. It's promising to shape up to be a great event. It's Lance Armstrong's return to not only multi-day, but multi-week stage racing, and there's going to be a lot of attention focused not only on him, but also on his team, Astana. But there's a lot of other teams out there that are also big contenders and on whom all the eyes will be focused. Teams like Saxobank, teams like Castaparnia, teams like Quickstep. There's a lot of interest in the Giro. Now, the Giro is put on by La Gazzetta dello Sport, which is an Italian sporting magazine. They're one of the sponsors of the event. And the main website for the Giro d'Italia is the Gazzetta dello Sport's website. Unfortunately, it's in Italian. For my money, the best place to get up-to-date news and information on the Giro d'Italia, indeed on a lot of cycling events, is at a website called steephill.tv. I have absolutely no connection to Steep Hill other than the fact that I've had some great email correspondence with Steve who runs the website. I put a link in the show notes. I also put a link into the Enhanced Podcast. If you are looking for some place to keep tabs on what's going on for this year's Giro, for my money, steephill.tv is the place. Okay, so that may lead you to wonder, if I don't have a connection to Steep Hill and that's not an ad, why on earth am I mentioning it? I mean, after all, you can just watch the Giro on Versus, right? Well, for those of you in the United States, the answer is wrong. Versus is not carrying the Giro d'Italia this year. They are not doing their daily live coverage. That means you're stuck trying to find some good streaming online hoping that perhaps Cycling.TV will cut a last-minute deal and get live video streaming. Otherwise, you're stuck getting your coverage weekly on the Fredcast, or you can get daily up-to-the-minute coverage on online sites. That's the reason why I'm mentioning Steep Hill. So if you're in the U.S., you're stuck watching, reading, and learning on your computer, you're not going to be able to watch on television.
Okay, what will you see in this year's Giro? Well, number one, you will see Lance Armstrong racing in the Giro d'Italia. However, Lance was quoted in a recent article, I believe he was being interviewed by Gazzetta dello Sport, saying that he feels underprepared for the Giro d'Italia, perhaps as a result of his collarbone break. He was quoted as telling Gazzetta dello Sport, quote, I would like to be a protagonist. If I only had three weeks more preparation, it would have been different. After the accident, I asked myself, Dear Lance, what are you still doing on a bike? Then I got on the bike. I needed to recover mentally above all. So you will see Armstrong racing with his team Astana in Giro d'Italia beginning this weekend. However, you will not see a couple of famous names. Tor Husov, for instance, the god of thunder himself, known for those amazing finish line sprints, he's decided that he is not going to race in the Giro d'Italia so that he can focus and concentrate fully on his preparations for the Tour de France and hopefully winning the green jersey this year. Remember we talked earlier, Oscar Freire is looking for it, so is Husoft. Robbie McEwen will also be missing this year's Giro d'Italia. His Katusha team director, Serge Parsani, said in a statement on Monday, quote, after a rest period, he will come back and prepare for the Tour de France in July. McEwen also recovering from a recent crash. Also missing from this year's Giro d'Italia will be Filippo Simeone. Now, Simeone, the Italian national champion, well, he's simply suffering from the fact that Giro d'Italia organizers didn't think that his team was strong enough in order to compete in this year's Giro. And as a result, Simeone is returning his Italian road champion jersey in protest. He said, quote, it's unacceptable that the Italian champion cannot compete in the biggest event in the country. And while you can certainly understand Simeone's anger at not being able to race in this year's Giro, giving up your champion's jersey, well, Professional and amateur commentators alike are arguing over whether this is a publicity stunt or just a temper tantrum. And as we get ready for this year's Giro, here's the list of teams that will be competing in the 2009 Giro d'Italia. Aqua e Sapone, AG2R, Astana, Barlow World, Castaparna, Cervelo, Garmin, LPR, Quickstep, Rabobank, Saramenti, Katusha, Milram, Saxobank, ISD, Buig Telecom, Fuji, Columbia, Silence Lotto, Lamprey, Likigas, and Jacobeo. Well, I've hinted at it twice before already in the show. We've been talking about Davide Rebellin, and I've been mentioning that, well, his recent win may have been a swan song for the professional cyclist, and the reason for that is... The International Olympic Committee recently retested about 950 samples from the Beijing Olympics. This after new tests for sera and insulin became available after last year's Beijing Olympics. Who was snagged among the athletes in those additional tests? None other than Davide Rebellin from Italy and Stefan Schumacher from Germany. Rebellin was the silver medalist in the road race in Beijing and has now requested that his B sample be tested. Rebellin being quoted as saying, quote, I don't know what may have happened. It is certainly a mistake. It is impossible that I have tested positive. As for Schumacher, you may recall that he first tested positive for Sarah in October of last year after a sample that he gave at the Tour de France came back positive. In February, he was banned by the UCI for two years from professional cycling. So just more bad news for Stefan Schumacher. 
Arnie Lundqvist, the chairman of the IOC's Medical Commission, said, quote, The further analysis of the Beijing samples that we conducted should send a clear message that cheats can never assume that they've avoided detection. The vast majority of athletes do not seek an unfair advantage. We intend to do all we can to ensure that they have a fair environment for competition. Rebellin's B-sample, or backup sample, will be tested on May 28th in France, and the Italian Olympic Commission's anti-doping prosecutor has postponed a hearing with Rebellin until further notice. Meanwhile, last Thursday, Italy's financial police raided Rebellin's home in northern Italy, as well as his in-law's house and the office of a doctor, Enrico Lazzaro. Lazzaro was sentenced to 13 months in prison for a doping case in 2001. All of this information coming from the Associated Press. More info on this story as it becomes available. And do you recall the story of Lance Armstrong and his, well, his potential run-in with a French anti-doping inspector from the AFLD? That's France's anti-doping agency. They showed up at his door. Neither Lance nor Johan Bernil were certain of the individual's credentials, asked to take the time to ensure that this individual was genuine. Lance then asking if it was okay if he took a shower. The inspector reportedly saying that it was. By the time Lance was done with his shower, they found out that the inspector's credentials were in order. Lance provided the, the required samples, and the inspector went on his way. Afterwards, Lance finding out that the AFLD was upset with the fact that Lance did not remain in the inspector's view at all times. As a result, there were good indications that the AFLD was going to attempt sanctions against Lance Armstrong. Well, we learned last week that the AFLD has decided that they will not be sanctioning Lance Armstrong, saying in statement, quote, the AFLD has decided to take into account the athlete's written explanations and consequently not to open a disciplinary action against him. Lance, at the same time, actually scooping once again the mainstream media, got on his Twitter feed and wrote, quote, just got the word from the French agency AFLD on the Showergate incident. Case closed, no penalty, all samples clean, onward. Good news for Lance Armstrong fans and Team Astana. As of right now, Lance is slated to race the Tour de France in July. And finally, a quick update on a story we told you about recently here on the Fredcast about the incident that occurred in the final few hundred meters in the final stage of this year's Tour of Turkey. You'll recall we talked about Dutch rider Theo Bose and the fact that he sent South African rider Daryl Impey crashing to the ground when he appeared, at least from the overhead video, to grab Impey's yellow jersey, Impey leading in the general classification in that race, and drag him down to the ground. Both riders going down, Impey suffering very serious injuries. As a matter of fact, while he's been transferred back to South Africa, reading his daily Twitter updates is a bit depressing. Uh, It's good to know that he's got a good attitude, but he is... He's got a long road to go before he's fully on the mend. Well, as a result of that incident, the UCI issued a statement saying, quote, the UCI has deemed that Teo Bose's behavior undermined the image, reputation, and interests of cycling and of the UCI. In accordance with Article 12.1.005 of the UCI regulations, this infringement is liable to a suspension of one to six months. We won't know for a Sometime, whether or not 
any sanction will be imposed upon the writer. If any, we will certainly let you know. For his part, Bose said on his own website recently, quote, what happened was not on purpose, not even in the heat of the moment. I would like everyone to understand that this is not how I win my sprints. We'll find out whether or not he wins any sanctions from the UCI in the coming days. We're planning to record an episode of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast this coming weekend, and I know that this will be on our list of topics, so stay tuned for that. If you're not a listener to The Spokesman, go to www.the-spokesmen.com and click the sign-up link or just Find the spokesman in iTunes and subscribe there. And with that, that will end the news for this week's episode of the Fredcast. Before we move on to tonight's features, I want to mention another one of our sponsors, and that's Audible. We've talked a lot about Audible here on the show. I love the service. They have over 50,000 titles in almost every genre of audiobook. If you love podcasts, and you're listening to this one, then you're going to love audiobooks. Whether you're mowing the lawn or you're riding the trainer or you're taking a long drive, Audible is a great way to get caught up on the reading that unfortunately too many of us just don't have time to do. Now, what's the big topic in the news this week? Well, none other than H1N1, or the so-called swine flu. And a lot of people are talking about the pandemic of 1918 and what that meant as far as a flu and for humanity. Well, there's a great book on Audible that I'm listening to right now. It's called The Great Influenza, The Epic Story of the Deadliest Plague in History by John M. Barry. Here's just a little sample. ...had resembled those of men who had died from poison gas or pneumonic plague a more virulent form of bubonic plague. Whatever those crewmen had had, it had not spread. No one else had gotten sick. But the men in the wards now not only puzzled Lewis, they had to have chilled him with fear also, fear both for himself and for what this disease could do. For whatever was attacking these sailors was not only spreading, it was spreading explosively. Uh, I don't know about you, but I want to keep listening and I want to find out more. And you can just by going to audiblepodcast.com slash cycling. Make sure you use that special link, audiblepodcast.com slash cycling. By going through that link, you're going to get a free 14-day trial of the Audible Listener Gold Program. That's going to allow you to download a free audiobook of your choice, choose from over 60,000 audiobooks and more, and that includes magazines, newspapers, radio shows, even podcasts, and it's compatible with iPods and over 500 other devices. Once again, audiblepodcast.com slash cycling. Download your free audiobook today, and we thank Audible for their support of the Fredcast. I had an opportunity recently to try out a new product. The product is called Grease Monkey Wipes. Simply put, these are single-use pre-moistened wipes that are intended to keep your hands from being greasy when you're out there on a ride. Say, for instance, that you're riding up that really big climb, the one that's on your weekly training ride, and for whatever reason, you're maybe you're listening to the Fredcast, or maybe you are just enjoying the ride, and you're not in quite the right gear, and as you start up that climb, you go to shift, and your chain falls off the front chain rings. Or maybe you get a flat, and you go to change your tire. In both cases, you're going to end up with really greasy hands. And up until now, at least for me, I go and I wipe off my hands as much as I can on my shorts, and I go back to riding. But now, 
here comes this great product called Grease Monkey Wipes. Now, this is different than the Action Wipes that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Remember, we had Martha Van Inwegen on the show, and she was telling us about Action Wipes, which are used for wiping you down after a ride to make sure that you know you don't smell quite as icky and uh, you get some of that salt and road grime off of you before you get back in your car and head home or go to work or, or whatever it is. No, Grease Monkey Wipes are to make sure that your hands stay grease-free after you've had an on-the-road repair. Now, again, these things come in individual packages. They're an 8-inch by 7-inch degreasing towel, and they're pre-moistened with a great cleaning material that's all-natural, includes citrus, which we've all come to know and love as being something that's great for keeping your hands degreased. I've tried a lot of different kinds of wipes and hand cleaning agents, and a lot of them have sort of a chemical-y smell. This one, I'm smelling my hands right now because I just used them. They, they literally smell like oranges, and the reason for that is that the active ingredient in grease monkey wipes is something called D-limonene. And if you've ever peeled an orange, and I know you have, you get this little amount of orange oil that gets expelled from the rind of the orange, and that is D-limonene. It's 100% natural. There's no harsh chemicals or any environmentally unfriendly solvents, all those things that we've come to be worried about. This is completely natural, and it really works. Now, I just set up a new bike on my CompuTrainer here at home, and the bike had been in my garage a while. It was really greasy. I had to change... Put, to put the trainer tire on the back. Uh, I had to grease the chain. I had to do all sorts of stuff. By the time I was done, my hands were black. No joke, black. I grabbed a grease monkey wipe, and within about a minute, my hands were clean. I mean, I'm looking at them right now, and they don't look like I did anything to make them dirty. I also had a little bit of uh, permanent marker on my hand as well because yesterday I was at my daughter's volleyball tournament, and that's how they made sure that they knew that you paid for admission, and it's gone. Uh, I just scrubbed it with the grease monkey wipe and it took it right off. And I really like that because normally when you want to get permanent marker off, you have to use alcohol and you know how that can dry your skin. But I was able to use the grease monkey wipe while I was cleaning my hands from this grease and dirt and grime from my bike and it was able to take the permanent marker off as well. The folks at Grease Monkey Wipes also say that the wipes include lanolin, vitamin E, and aloe vera to keep your skin, in their words, baby soft. They also say that Grease Monkey Wipes would be good for grease, grime, oil, road tar, as I said, permanent marker, adhesives, and much more. And if you're a triathlete, you know how they mark your skin before a race? I think these would probably be great for helping to remove those markings as well. I think it's a great product, something that from now on I'm going to be keeping in the saddlebag on my bike so that when I have an on-the-road repair, I can pull one of these out, clean off my hands, and go about my ride and know that when I go to wipe my face from sweat later that I'm not going to be wiping grease on it because we've all done that before. Grease Monkey Wipes can be found at greasemonkeywipes.com. You can get six individually packaged grease Grease Monkey Wipes for about $6, or you can get a 24-count box for $21.60, and that's about a 10% savings off of the regular price for Grease Monkey Wipes. I think this is a great product, something that I think you're all going to like. Of course, I've got links in the show notes as well as in the Enhanced Podcast this week where you can find Grease Monkey Wipes. I think it's a great thing to take with you, keep in your saddlebag, and make sure that you keep your hands clean when you're out there on the road. For the last couple of months, we've been following along as Ken Wallace has been getting ready for the 2009 Etape du Tour in France. Ken is back once again with another update on his training. 
and how it's going for him as he makes his way through his training program, increasing his power, decreasing his weight, increasing his endurance, and getting ready for the Mont Ventoux in France. Here's Ken. Hi, David. This is Ken, and it's been a few weeks since I've checked in, so I thought I'd update you and your listeners on how my training's been going. I am about six weeks into Rich's 17-week training plan, and uh, it's going very, very well. I'm really happy. I started out in December with a functional threshold power of about 193 and am now up to about 207. I'm about to take another test in a week and I'm hoping that that's actually going to be closer to 215 or 220. So I've seen some definite improvements. My weight has dropped from uh, 165 pounds after uh, vacationing and coming back from from Bali in November to 150 pounds. So I've dropped 15 pounds and hope to get uh, drop another five pounds or so before July. Speaking of July, I realized that the Etape de Tour is not just about training for the ride itself, but there's a significant amount of planning that goes into a trip like this. I was late getting my spot on the ETAP. I was lucky enough to find some place that had a, a um, entry-only spot, but I am not part of an organized tour group. And it occurred to me that the start of the ride is a long distance from where I'll be staying in France, roughly about two hours, and trying to get to the start the morning of the ride uh, could have been a real nightmare. So at the last minute, I went on a frenzy of searching for any place to stay nearby the beginning, which is in Montelamar, and I was lucky enough after about a week of sending out emails to find a tour company out of Ireland who has a hotel about halfway between my house and the start, and they have a, a shuttle bus that's taking their guests up to the start the morning of the ride. And they were nice enough to offer me a spot on their bus if I could find a place to stay in the village where, where their group is staying. And it just so happened that at the hotel where their group is staying, there was an empty room. So I was able to secure a room and a ride up to the start the morning of the ride, which takes a lot of pressure off because there's nothing that my wife would enjoy more than to drive me two hours at about four in the morning to start a bike ride. Finally, one of the things that I found really challenging has been to keep up the motivation to get on my trainer and complete these workouts night after night. Often when I've come home from work, I've spent a couple of hours at home with my family, taking care of those responsibilities. And then you look at the clock, it's 10, 10.30, and you realize that at best you're going to be finishing up at midnight. And I've found that a few things have really helped me to keep the motivation up and really get myself on the trainer even though I'm tired and it's not really what I feel like doing at the moment. Uh, one big thing is what I call expectations and that is that Rich has put a training plan together for me and you know he's expecting to see a file the next morning with my ride and I'm the type of person that really doesn't like to let other people down so if I know that someone's showing up at my doorstep at 6 a.m. or someone is expecting me to come through with my commitments, that really motivates me to, to follow through and to deliver. 
The second thing is uh, working towards a goal. I've written down on a calendar where I hope to be at the beginning of each month between now and July and being able to sort of check off those goals as my wattage goes up or my weight goes down is great confirmation that the work is paying off. The final thing is to work for a cause. I've selected the Lance Armstrong Foundation. I know you work and ride for uh, multiple sclerosis and I think that that can be a big motivating factor. I think that when we're doing something that is bigger than ourselves it really adds a larger scope to our efforts and it adds a, a bigger level of commitment to follow through on what we've what we've set out to do. So it's about 10.30 here in Los Angeles and I've got an hour ride ahead of me so I'm gonna wrap it up and if anyone would like more detailed information about the training plan that Rich has put together for me, they can check it out on my blog site, which is trainingwithken.blogspot.com. And David, I know you have a link in your show notes. So until next time, take care, and I'll check in again soon. Thanks, Ken. Always great to hear from you. And I got to tell you, the preparations and the training sound very, very familiar. So good luck with that. We can't wait to hear your next report. Well, next up, I've got another opportunity for you. Um, and this one, well, it's a bit pricey. Probably like, as Ken was talking about all of his preparations, probably like Ken's trip to France coming up. This one is from the Larry H. Miller Tour of Utah. Now, we followed the Tour of Utah last year, and we'll be doing it again this year. But the Tour of Utah recently announced that it has secured 10 spots, starting slots, at this year's Logan to Jackson Cycling Classic. That's commonly known as Low to Ja. Low to Ja is an extremely popular race slash double century ride that takes place in the late summer, early fall every year, going from Logan, Utah, up to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It's a 206-mile ride. It takes place this year, September 12th. And like a lot of very popular rides, once registration opens, it usually closes extremely quickly, and that's exactly what happens with Low to Ja. But the Tour of Utah has secured 10 coveted spots for this year's Low to Ja. In addition, these 10 packages include a very amazing Tour of Utah experience. Now, the Tour of Utah takes place August 18th through August 23rd this year. Each of these packages includes one prepaid guaranteed starting slot at the 2009 Low to Ja, a one-hour Tour of Utah training ride with Team Ouch, and that includes Floyd Landis and Rory Sutherland, a backyard barbecue at Tour of Utah President Greg Miller's home with members of Team Ouch, and legendary cyclist, author, and versus TV commentator Bob Key himself, none other than Bob Roll, and that includes a photo and autograph session with Team Ouch and with Bob Roll. It also includes a ride for one person in a team vehicle during one stage of this year's Tour of Utah. It includes a Tour of Utah jersey signed by all five stage winners as well as the prologue winner of this year's tour and two VIP hospitality passes for all stages and the prologue of this year's Tour of Utah. And that includes access to an exclusive VIP tent with food, beverages, and on-course seating at each stage of the race. I think this is a pretty amazing package, but it is pricey. Each of these packages are priced at a whopping $4,000 each. According to Executive Director Terry McGinnis from the Tour of Utah, 
Quote, the Tour of Utah loaded jab package represents a -a one-of-a-kind opportunity for cycling enthusiasts who want to go the extra mile in support of our race. Not only does it guarantee a starting slot in an amateur event that sells out within the first several days, it also offers a unique set of perks that will afford participants a ringside seat at a major U.S. cycling phenomenon. Again, this is a very pricey package. You can get more details at www.tourofutah.com. And while I understand that they're trying to raise just additional funds to make sure that the Tour of Utah goes off, you may recall a few years ago, the Tour of Utah was canceled for lack of financial support. At the same time, however, it seems to me that if they've got these entries to low to jet and they've got all of these great opportunities at the tour of utah which quite frankly don't really cost them much it seems to me that at least a portion of those funds should be used to raise money for a worthy cause and there are plenty of them these days so just a personal opinion on that however if you are a rich cycling enthusiast and you've got the disposable income no doubt this is worth more than four thousand dollars to you if you do it will you let me know because Yes, I'd love to meet with you when you're here at the Tour of Utah, and I'd also love to hear about your experience both at the Tour of Utah and at Low to Jack. One last thing I'd like to mention before we get to tonight's PodSafe cycling music and contact information and things like that. You may recall a few weeks ago I asked all of you a question here on the show, and the question was, how much is a lot of climbing? When you go out on a ride, what number of feet is it? that makes you feel like you went out on a ride and you did a lot of climbing. Well, I asked you to send in voicemails and emails and all of that. And the problem that I'm having is that Skype seems to have somehow swallowed your voicemails. I got emails from Skype telling me that you sent voicemails into me, but I can't access them, whether I try it on my desktop, my laptop, under Mac, under Windows, and I'm having some conversations with Skype technical support about getting your voicemails. It may be that they're unrecoverable, in which case I'll ask you all to call in again after I test and make sure that Skype's voicemail system is working properly this time. So bear with me. We're going to get you the answer to this question. And for those of you who sent in your voicemails, trust me, I really appreciate it. I'm sorry this is happening. As soon as we get it fixed, we will get you on the air on the Fredcast. And we'll finally answer that question. How much is a lot of climbing. And before we go tonight, one more time, I want to thank our sponsors. Of course, Audible. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash cycling to sign up for your 14-day free trial. But most importantly, I want to thank Graham Street and Cyclo Club. Don't forget, Graham is offering a free video download of his Back in Five workout. There are very few cyclists with whom I speak who don't tell me that they've had back issues at one time or another. So don't delay. Go to www.thefredcast.com and on that right-hand side, fill in the information and get your free download of Cyclo Club's Back in 5 workout. There's no obligation. It's just Graham's gift to you and the Fredcast community. And with that, it's time to let you know how you can contact me here at the Fredcast. Of course, the best way to follow along with what's going on every single moment of the Fredcast's life Go to twitter.com slash fredcast and sign up to receive my Twitter updates. Of course, you can always send me an email at any time. The email address is thefredcast at gmail.com. Or you can call the Fredcast listener hotline at area code 435-258-6373. That's 435-258-6FRED. And of course, visit the website anytime at www.thefredcast.com.
And once again, it's time for Pod Safe Cycling Music. Music that is pod safe, meaning it's okay for us to play it here on podcasts, but that is going to be great for you to cycle to, whether you're cycling indoors or you are outdoors. But remember, just one earphone, not in both ears, please. This is great music that's going to help you get through your ride. Tonight's music comes to us, as it often does, from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Tonight's artist is Chad Hanna. His song is called Faster. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Fredcast. Between now and then, enjoy the music, but most of all, enjoy the ride. Thank you. 